So welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA as well as the editor-in-chief for drbycuspid.com. Thrilled that you've joined us for what's going to be a very interesting and timely podcast. And I'm so thrilled to have a dear friend and one of those thought leaders out there whenever it comes to infection control. And that is our good friend, Mary Gavoni. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm great, Kevin. How are you? I am doing great. I'm so glad that uh, you, you've taken time out of your, I know, enormously busy schedule. Uh, and we're going to talk about OSHA today. And and man, what a topic this is because uh, you and I were chatting before we came on and how that OSHA inspections, it's really kind of a, a different game maybe now than it was even a year, two years ago. And yeah. And so what do dental practices need to know about OSHA inspections in this COVID crazy world? Well, what they need to know is that OSHA inspections are increasing in dentistry. Just in the last, oh, probably two or three weeks, we've seen a number of um, inspections reported. Probably the most notorious one we saw that was finalized um, in September, but actually happened back in June, was in Massachusetts. And it ended up being uh, $9,500 in fines with the appropriate citations, but it actually started out at $24,000 in fines. So the sort of good news is that you can negotiate with OSHA if you can prove what you're doing is not putting employees at risk. But there's a common theme in all of the inspections that we've been seeing. First and foremost, they are the result of complaints. And it's, I think, dental assistants and hygienists, of course, who are concerned about safety in their workplace. They're concerned about um, getting COVID while they're working mm -hmm. and they feel that right or wrong, that their employers aren't providing them with the right PPE, they're not protecting them. And so they're filing complaints. And we don't usually see a great deal of that in dentistry, but we are seeing that now. So that tells us that there's people out there that are feeling a little bit insecure. The other thing that has happened in the past is that if OSHA did get a complaint from somebody in a dental practice, if it appeared to be not a serious violation. They didn't come to the practice at all that you could um, settle it um, through, you know, correspondence. So one that I saw that happened a few years ago, uh, a hygienist said that her employer wouldn't provide her with the right size gloves. She had very small hands and they said, well, this is the size of gloves we provide. If you don't like it, you can buy your own. Well, that's not appropriate under OSHA. So she filed a complaint and the practice um, had to prove with invoices that they did or didn't purchase those um, appropriate size gloves for that, that hygienist to wear. So they didn't even come on site. And if they did come on site in the past, they wouldn't necessarily do a full-blown inspection, but that's what we're seeing now. So the complaint might be, for example, respiratory protection and the employer's not providing N95 respirators. And what we're seeing is that the inspectors are looking at compliance with the bloodborne pathogen standard. Some of them have looked at um, hazard communication standard, chemical safety compliance. So they're looking at all the training records and all the appropriate documentation that some practices don't know that they need to have 
Yeah. That are additional requirements. Yeah, that's what I, I'm sitting here shaking my head if our readers or viewers could see this because <laughs> the documentation, we know how important that is in the clinical record and everything else. We know how important it is for uh, OSHA as well. And yet I feel like that there are a lot of practices that have been so busy trying to keep up with COVID and, and keeping themselves and their patients safe that maybe that's something that slipped through the cracks and, and this yeah. is going to be an OMG moment coming. I think so. And there's, there's three critical pieces of documentation that the OSHA inspectors are looking for in these COVID era, era inspections. One is a hazard assessment um, that you're looking at things like what's the incidence of COVID-19 cases in your area? Um, is it increasing or decreasing? Um, do you have enough PPE? Are you screening your patients? So all the things that you would need to look at in order to protect the employees from exposure, you need to do an exposure determination, which looks at the types of procedures that you do and what is the risk. And so OSHA gave us a, a great format for that. In other words, they've said that it's either high risk or very high risk if we're doing aerosol generating procedures. If we're not doing aerosol generating procedures, then it's a medium or low risk, but that has to be documented in a practice. And then the other thing that OSHA sort of is a sort of a, a lesser known requirement is that you need to have a written plan for COVID-19 preparedness and response. So have you trained everybody since um, we've been in the pandemic. Does everybody understand about how it's transmitted? And I, I think that's probably been covered pretty well. But then what about training on what do you do if there is an exposure, if a team member or a doctor becomes positive, or what do we do if we had a patient that called us up and said, yeah, I should have told you when I was there yesterday that I have COVID, but I really wanted my teeth cleaned. And I've seen that happen a bunch. And then everybody panics because they don't know what to do. So that has to be documented in writing in the practice. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that you and I were, were chatting about is that we're seeing more and more practices with team members or the dentist coming down with COVID and, and not within the dental practice, but right. you know, just in daily life. Right. And, and having that plan in place and having it documented for team, doctor or patient. Right. Uh, yeah, that's an absolutely critical part of things. Sure. It's just like having a written exposure, post exposure plan that what do we do if somebody gets a needle stick? What do we do if they get cut with a contaminated instrument? OK, let's go look. Here's all these steps we document. We um, call a healthcare facility to see if there needs to be testing. But there's lots of misinformation out there that a lot of team members just assume that if another team member tests positive and they've been working with them, that automatically everybody in the office needs to go and get tested. And the doctors in many cases are saying, no, we don't all need to get tested, but let's you know find out for sure. And then it causes some friction with the employees thinking that their doctor's not protecting them, but they just don't understand. Well, and, and that friction, you know, you mentioned it whenever at the very start of this, you know, a lot of this is coming from complaints. And, yep. and we know that this has been a year of not only COVID, but really increased tension, shall we say, between dentist and team and team members. And, and Mary, I'm just wondering, what are you 
hearing, telling the dental assistants, the dental hygienists who are out there that maybe they're, they're grumbling about things, Mm -hmm. but, and they're not talking to their doctor about it. I mean, it it seems like such a common thing, but we've got to communicate with each other. We do. And fortunately we haven't seen it happen as much as it was early on in the pandemic when practices were starting to open up again. And there were a lot of team members who were out there and social media sites just crashing their employers. And I just remember responding in some of the groups I belong to say, stop this, stop this, don't do that. This isn't the appropriate place. And it's still not the appropriate place. So if these team members feel like they're not being adequately protected or they have concerns and they want more information, they need to talk to their doctors. They need to have that open line of communication. You talk about that so much um, that sit down and just say, I have a concern. Can you help me understand? And they also should perhaps go to the CDC website and get the, the accurate information, not go on what someone else told them. Um, Somebody said this and somebody said, yeah, everybody needs to be tested. And so go to the reliable sources. Um, My my favorite newscaster, (laughs) Shepard Smith, has this this saying now about following the Fauci. And I just love that. They need to follow the Fauci. They need to follow CDC and and get accurate information. You know, any any newscaster that tells you when the McRib is coming back, I follow I follow with all my heart. Absolutely. You know? I think that is hysterical. But yeah, he is so excited about that. That's he funny. Is, so. That is funny. Um and, and and you know, we're talking about misinformation. We're talking about a lot of things that are heard secondhand, third hand. And I will tell you one thing that I heard early on in the pandemic was that Oh, OSHA is not going to do anything this year because of the pandemic. They're going to let off a little bit. And honestly, I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. I would agree with that, Kevin. And we've seen uh, Michigan, for example, my home state um, has instituted a state emphasis plan. And so they are going to be doing unannounced inspections in workplaces. Now, they're not starting. So people listening to this shouldn't panic. They're not starting with dental practices. They're starting in other types of businesses where it's possible that workers could work remotely rather than be in the office where they could spread. Um, So then that's not possible for most of the jobs in a dental practice, but there at least should be some documentation that, hey, we've looked at, is there anybody who could work remotely to decrease the number of team members in the in the facility? They just need to document that in case. But um, Tennessee has had a local emphasis program going on for a number of years, which means they can go in and do unannounced inspections at any time. And there may be others, um, probably not necessarily in the states that have that come under federal OSHA jurisdiction, but the ones that have the state plans may be the ones where they're going to be looking at doing those inspections because they're concerned about worker safety. And, and right now, why, why wouldn't they be, to be perfectly honest? I mean, in, in this day and age, you know, so there, I think a lot of folks are going to, their panic level is going to rise a little bit and they're going to figure out what's next. So I'm just going to ask you, what, what should somebody be doing that if they're listening to this, what's the biggest thing? Well, as I said to you earlier, first and foremost, get that OSHA manual off the shelf and dust it off, (laughs) open it up, look at when's the last time you updated your 
safety plans, your exposure control or infection control plan. When's the last time you looked at your written hazard communication plan? Do you even have that documentation? Make sure your training records are in order. Um, make sure that you have the hazard assessment, the exposure um, determination, a COVID um, response, preparedness and response plan. And then if you're wearing N95 or KN95 respirators, you have to have a written respiratory protection plan. That's the other thing that's being um, cited in a lot of these um, inspections. So making sure that you're prepared for that. And the, the thing that happens a lot in, in dentistry, and, and just because we don't have somebody who's dedicated to being the OSHA coordinator um, in a practice, it's, you know, that mostly it falls on a chairside assistant who has, yeah. you know, that function to do, but how do you do that when you're needed in the treatment room? So they've got to have some dedicated time to work through this and make sure that every office has someone designated as the OSHA coordinator. It has to be written in a plan. It has to be designated in writing. And in um, some states, I mentioned Michigan earlier, they're now asking for a COVID-19 coordinator. So that could be the same person as the OSHA coordinator. But those are the, the key issues that um, that need to be taken care of, making sure training. Some of the biggest fines that we see from OSHA are for lack of training. And there's no way to really negotiate your way out of that because you've either provided the training or you haven't. Yep. And so if you haven't done it and if it's not documented, OSHA assumes that it hasn't been done. Yeah. So that's a really critical thing. And, and something else that's... Uh, come up in a couple of the um, the inspection reports that we've seen is that many practices just assume that N95 respirators are not available. And, and they are in a lot of cases right now. And that is what OSHA and the CDC recommend for doing aerosol producing procedures. So if an OSHA inspector came in and you weren't wearing N95 respirators, you were wearing level three masks and just told the OSHA inspector, well, we can't get them. Then what they're going to want to see is where's your documentation of when and how and where you tried to obtain them. And they've also been asking for copies of receipts of purchases of PPE. So that's kind of interesting. I've not seen that um, happen that regularly um, in OSHA inspections. So they, they want to know. So yeah. practices need to keep a log of their attempts to order PPE and what they were told and you know what the supply is like so they can prove that they truly couldn't get it. They're just not going to take your word for it. You know, documentation. I mean, I, that's the thing I'm getting out of all this is that you've got to be documenting so much to make sure that you're staying in line with things. Yes. And, and you know, and I know you've heard this from dental assistants. I've heard this from dental assistants that they they almost feel like that they drew the short straw being the OSHA coordinator. Yeah. And, and I think that we've got to turn that around a little bit and make this something that people understand the importance of it and that they actually... Feel a, feel a duty to not just like, oh, I'll do that whenever I get a minute, but it's something they feel obliged to do in order to keep the practice moving forward. Absolutely. And to prevent having to pay out, 
you know, huge amounts of, of fines for not having that documentation. And I think part of that is establishing a system to begin with, a manual that works for you, that um, you can easily go in and edit um, and make additions to if you need to. And I'm encouraging everybody that I work with to go electronic and not use paper manuals anymore. OSHA accepts electronic documentation because that way it's much more accessible and you can, again, make any necessary changes. You can add information in, keeping logs electronically, just put up a form on the on the desktop on the computer to log in um, any of my calls I make to you know my dental supplier to try to get things rather than have to haul out a book, find the right page and and do all of that. It just makes much more sense. It's so much more efficient and you have a backup. So Crazy. Crazy. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've seen many OSHA manuals disappear from practices when an employee leaves on a oh. not so you know great note and oh, they worked hard to put all that documentation together and they feel ownership of it and they just decide to take it with them when they leave. So then a practice has nothing. Uh, see, it's little things like that, that, that I just, it makes me cringe, but uh -huh. it also makes me know that those are things that often dental practices don't think about. And, mm -hmm. and that that's why they need experts like Mary to point that out and to remind you of best practices and helpful tips. And, and Mary, I know you've got a lot of great information and, and are such a great resource whenever it comes to things like this. And I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you to ask questions or maybe uh, get some advice from you as well. Oh, sure. They can contact me by email, mary at marygavoni, G-O-V-O-N-I.com. And they can go to my website, marygavoni.com. And I have checklists, compliance checklists available that they can download. They're complimentary. So they can go through all the things that they would need to look at for compliance. And I've just completed a video training program on how to pass an OSHA inspection. So it goes from, you know, what do you do if the inspector shows up at the door or you get notice of complaint all the way through um, to the end and hopefully um, making the complaints go away. So that will be available. Um, we'll post a, um, a note on the, on the homepage so it's real easy to find. Well, Mary is easy to find. I promise you, whether it's through social media, whether it's through her website, through email, she's she's a great resource and and dare I say, a great human being. Uh, you know, so Mary, thanks so much for being on oh. today. I really do appreciate it, my friend. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing all the great stuff that you do. Hey, you know, we've got we've got to keep these dental practices informed, and it takes a it takes a village to do that, shall we say? So yes, it does. Uh, well, and thanks to all of you for taking the time. We hope that you'll take this advice that Mary's given to heart. Uh, we hope that this will help your dental practice have some smooth sailing and be prepared for what is to come, uh, because it's honestly not a matter of if; it is a matter of when. Whenever it comes to OSHA, so uh, please reach out to Mary if you've got any questions, and please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you are up to date with the next episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast, powered by Ignite DA. <laughs>